Cyber Sermon 1 for Sunday the 22nd of March. Where is God? The following are the readings which form the basis of this sermon. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 8 to 14. John chapter 9 verses 1 to 41. When things get difficult or when things get tricky for us, for our families, or even when there is a tragedy at the other side of the world, we find ourselves asking the question, where is God? I think our two readings today throw some light on this question. These readings have been around for a long time, but when we are hit by despair and depression, we tend to forget what they teach us and show us. We find ourselves in a dark place and struggle to see our way out of it. In Paul's letter, the contrast between darkness and light takes centre stage. Of its time, this oppositional position was a proverbial means of referring to conversion in many religious traditions, not just Christian. It reflects the universal human experience of the powerlessness of life in darkness. When the darkness of night comes, the eyes cannot see. What Paul is clear about is that the Lord stands on one side of the contrast only. Indeed, what makes the darkness hopeless and helpless is the fact that the Lord is not there. Life within the darkness is utterly alone. This starts to explain how we might feel in those difficult situations. Paul makes it clear in this passage that it is Christ who brings, who embodies, the light in which believers dwell. Those who awake from sleep do so entirely because of Christ's light. When we are struggling with the question, where is God? We need to turn to Christ, not away from him. We need to recognise through his life, death and resurrection that God's world has many bumps in the road fallen trees in the way and can at times seem shrouded in darkness but this is not the end the light is there for us to bring us back from our point of despair one of the key implications of the admonition to live as children of the light then is that the light has the power to rescue us when we're in darkness but we do need to turn it on it is a pity that our reading ends where it does. Because if we go on just a little bit further, we find some instructions on how to turn on the light. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Paul is highlighting the importance of singing the faith. He is outlining the virtue of singing, not just when we are gathered, but also when we are on our own. Do you ever find yourself sometimes singing lines from your favourite hymns or worship songs? I know I do. This singing is, for Paul, the ultimate antidote to living in the darkness of the immorality that pervaded the world surrounding the early Christians. It is no different today. 
He believes that singing can help to get our minds in the right place. Hymns, psalms and songs can provide exactly the same type of Christian nurture envisaged by Paul. Recognising that singing these hymns is not just something we do on a Sunday allows a light to shine in our lives and allows us to walk every day in the light of God. If we are walking in the light of God, we at least know where he is. We are then encouraged to see every day, every hour and every minute as an opportunity to serve the Lord. And this singing, whether in our minds or from our lips, encourages us to do it. And it helps us to find God when we are struggling to know where he is. Because, believe me, he knows where we are. In the rich and intricately told story of Jesus' healing of the man born blind, many questions are posed. But at the heart of them all is the same recurring question. Where is God in all of this? This is a question for all times and all places. For the Pharisees, the answer is simple. They want a complete separation of God and Jesus. For them, everything good comes from God and Jesus could have had no part in it. The answer comes from the man born blind, who insists on the reality of his healing and of Jesus as the cause of it. He says, I do not know if he is a sinner or not. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Who then is in tune and out of tune with God? The Pharisees, insisting on staying with their own self-imposed interpretation of the law? Or Jesus, whose actions are transforming the world of darkness and chaos into a kingdom of light, a kingdom of love and acceptance. When we are confronted by trouble and that difficult question to answer, where was God when those planes flew into the Twin Towers or when the coronavirus was let loose, we do well to remember this story and we do well to be aware of simple answers that fit society's view of things. At the start of this long reading, you may have already forgotten, Jesus resists the conventional and prevailing analysis of sin and its source. It is an analysis which many Christians still hold to today. This story tells us that the world is a much stranger, much more complex, more mysterious place than that outdated, simplistic analysis. The chaos and misery which exists in the world is simply the raw material God has to work with at any given moment. The material out of which the loving, wise and just God is going to shine a light and make his new creation. It may not help answer the difficult question, but ultimately we should be reassured that these things will all be put behind us. The Pharisees and the parents 
play out a struggle of maintaining the status quo because they do not wish to lose their significant place in society. The Pharisees are threatened by a different type of knowledge and wisdom than that which they have. A knowledge that has the power to transform and create a new life, a new society, a new relationship with God. Not one that simply maintains the existing power structure. The parents are threatened by their complete loss of status. If they go against the Pharisees, their whole life, social, economic, as well as religious, is lost. Their very existence revolves around the synagogue. They lose everything if they are thrown out. They feel they have no choice. Better to deny their son than deny themselves. What a position to be put in. Where is God here? Well, I'm afraid the answer is where he always is. Shining a light into those dark recesses of our lives. Asking those difficult questions. The Gospels are clear. We read in Matthew and in Luke. For I have come to set man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those in his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And we also heard earlier in John these words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. This is a powerful light Jesus is shining into our lives. But sometimes that bright light can be blinding and be too much for us. The answer is to hold true, to trust in Jesus, to trust in God. And if we need any help in difficult times, we should then follow Paul's advice. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, may we be your light in this dark and difficult time. Take from our hearts the anxiety and fear and replace it with your glorious hope, the hope which comes from knowing that you are here in the midst of us, whatever our situation. On our minds at the moment are all the people who are suffering with coronavirus, all those who are in fear of catching it, and all those who are working hard to care for those who are ill. 
We pray for those in our communities who may feel vulnerable and scared. And pray that the love of God might be their peace. We pray for older people who are concerned about shopping, regular hospital appointments and general day-to-day contact with other people. We commit to you people who have other physical problems who feel that there is no help available for them at the moment. Help us to encourage one another and to pray for each other. Let us use the words of this beautiful hymn as encouragement. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me lie in pastures green. He leads me by the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul. He guides my ways in righteousness, and he anoints my head with oil. And my cup, it overflows with joy. I feast on his pure delights. And though I walk the darkest path, I will not fear the evil one. For you are with me, and your rod and staff are the comfort I need to know. And I will trust in you alone. And I will trust in you alone. For your endless mercy follows me. Your goodness will lead me home. We acknowledge the Lord's sovereignty in and through all things and pray using the words of Paul to the church in Ephesus. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, for ever and ever. Amen.